Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Influential Times with me, Alistair Wheat, and... With me, Jack Morrell Paolo. Hello. We need to come up with a jingle, don't we, or something? Yeah. Snazzy. Um, we've, we've discussed, well, I've repeatedly suggested violating all sorts of copyrights, and I think that's probably not going to do it in order to secure you know, extremely famous songs that I like, but um, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll workshop something afterwards. Yes, so part. watch this space. We'll see what we can do for the next one. Anyway, so on to Influential Time uh, news for this month. Yes, so, what has caught your eye this uh, this month? Right, so um, I've been particularly interested to see all of this stuff happening with Amazon and their employees um, not doing what they're told and uh, letting their kind of conscience drive them into action. So uh, it's brought, big, brought about a bit more of a debate about employee activism um, we've talked previously um, in this series and on our blog about employee advocacy, which is where brands and their employees are aligned and kind of talking about the same thing. Whereas employee activism seems to be kind of when that goes wrong and uh, a brand is doing something and their employees don't particularly like what they're doing or in some cases maybe what they're not doing. Um, so this particular story is about Amazon um being involved maybe with some of the wrong people or not doing enough about climate action, their staff wanting to speak out, taking part in things like the climate strike, and then Amazon not really doing something particularly sensible here and then trying to shut the whole conversation down, issuing an edict to say that you know people are not staff are not allowed to talk to the press without it being approved, which has then created a bit more of a backlash. And now there's been this letter with I think at least 300 staff speaking out so the hashtag is uh, amazon speaks out amzn speak out um and there's this uh, twitter handle now amazon for climate amzn for climate it's really interesting i think to see how there's this big global brand and their own staff are not happy with what they're doing about climate change which is obviously a massive issue um, for many people all over the world and this is, I think, a real like missed opportunity that if Amazon were doing the right thing, they've clearly got a lot of staff who are very concerned about this. And if they were doing the right things on climate change, then it would be a discussion about employee advocacy rather than employee activism, which is employees working against their employer, employer effectively. Um, so I'd be interested to see how this pans out and whether we see similar sort of employee-led campaigns kick off. Yeah, so we've, we've seen similar things. Uh, Google have had kind of walkouts uh, at some of their offices and even Amazon themselves have kind of seen um, backlash, you know, last year when they were, I think, probably behind a, a bunch of sort of very sock puppet seeming accounts that, that cropped up, uh, effectively saying how much people loved working uh, in an Amazon warehouse. Now, whether that sentiment was sort of genuinely held or not by by some employees, it certainly felt like they were kind of just trying to, um, it sort of felt quite suspicious the way these all propped popped up at the same time and all seem to be giving sort of quite a one-dimensional uh, view of things without sort of really addressing any of the concerns that that people had so that that kind of brings us on to um, one of the one of the stories that has caught my eye so far this month January brings with it many things uh, mm-hmm. often stopping drinking stopping eating meat uh, terrible weather waiting ages for payday and it also brings the Edelman trust barometer uh, which I think is is pushing into its 20th year now. Um, so this year's edition really, I think, continues a lot of the trends we saw last year. A couple of things that really caught my eye out of this, um, relating to that kind of point on employee uh, versus brand activism, is 
there's definitely a, a pretty large segment of consumers still who say they kind of will vote with their wallet and that that's very much their mindset. That's over 60% of, of people who kind of feel this way. Um, you know, bearing in mind that the Edelman are, are surveying a pretty large um, number of markets and a, a large number of people, I think that's a, that's a hefty data set. You know, it, it's over 20 countries. It's thousands of, uh, of people in total. So I think that, that was interesting that people feel you know, that they are, they're very much willing to vote with their wallet in that sense. I think the other thing that's really noticeable is no one feels that any, any kind of organization is both ethical and competent at the same time. They sort of might feel that NGOs are very ethical, but they fear their competence with, you know, with business. They, people tend to feel that businesses are quite competent, but unlikely to be, to be ethical. They score a bit worse on that front. So I think just being able to, to break into that white space, hopefully show that you are committed to kind of acting ethically, that you're going to try and, you know, not always just do what's in your best interest, but do what's what's right and, and kind of walk the walk is definitely going to be quite a um, an important thing for the uh, for the coming year. There's definitely a lot of white space that people can occupy. And trying to silence your own employees is probably not going to help with that. Yeah, it's it's a terrible look. I guess it reinforces what we already knew, doesn't it? That you've lost, we've all lost control of kind of how we're perceived and and how our our brand exists out in the world. You know, people are talking about us, um, and I guess that's always been true. But the issue is now you can see it on the internet. You know, people of you know back in the fifties weren't you know never having opinions about the shop. It was just um yeah. now we can see it all happening i'm sure there are many other companies who have got st- staff probably in large numbers who aren't happy with some of the things that their employers doing or would like their employers to do more on things like climate change or you know whatever else the, the subject could be depending on the country they're in but they're not brave enough to speak out individually but if they knew that there were going to be dozens of other employees doing the same thing then they would speak out um and i kind of wonder whether this is also partly to do with what we've happened, what we've seen happen just generally in the US with the Trump administration, and that, that you've had lots of these uh, um, public bodies where their staff have created their own alternative, you know, the alt mm. uh, official accounts where they're speaking out, trying to explain what's going on behind the scenes um, to kind of resist um, some of the stuff that the administration is doing, particularly around um, environmental protections and uh, other um, other laws, and maybe state by state it, it varies as well. So. I do wonder whether that, that's kind of training people to coordinate action so they can do it en masse, so they can't all get fired en masse. Um, mm. And that, that then means that brands, I think, need to try and find ways of working more collaboratively with their employees um, and an advocacy basis to, to be working towards the same goal rather than against employees because the employees will coordinate themselves and speak out and they'll, you know, they'll, use, they'll use social media very effectively on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, not not to veer too far into the realm of social commentary. I guess it's the the sort of revival of unionism, which uh, used to be much stronger. But it seems like you know that that kind of level of of coordination and, and communication can now be hugely effective. It's going to undermine your message. You've got to, as you say, really work with your employees mm-hmm. and, and think about what their demands are. Yeah, which also then links into a story that um, I spotted on LinkedIn from Adweek talking about how uh, influencers are falling out of favour in, 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 to be replaced by what have been called advocates. Um, in other words, people who are championing causes like climate change, so people like Greta Thunberg or Malala, 
and talking about education. And so they want to, people want to have those sorts of people to, to follow and to listen to rather than quote unquote influencers. Um, I think that celebrities have been doing cause based advocacy for years, well before social media. But with what we saw happen at the uh, Golden Globes with Ricky Gervais basically making fun of celebrities for their kind of, you know, talking about how much they care about, you know, climate change whilst flying around on private jets. Uh, you know, there's been a backlash against uh, celebrity influencers just doing a little bit of, you know, social media posting about how much they care about some cause. But then their lifestyle contradicts that. Um, I think that brands who want to do cause-based advocacy or um, cause-based marketing on social and want to link with influencers need to be very careful about who they choose to work with. Um, I think that I saw another report, I can't remember who it's from now, but it was where it said that you know, influencers are posting, you know, so influencers who are online mainly to work with brands and get money. So what we might call creators now as this yeah. terms is emerging. Um, so brands are, are looking to some of these creators who then occasionally post about some cause. But to have a real impact in the community that care about those topics, they're not going to be too bothered about those sorts of people who just occasionally post about a topic like climate change or human rights or education. Um, and instead, the real way to find the advocates is to understand the community. So then and that's also something that we have been working on is to understand what's the wider network focused on a particular cause because that is how you figure out who the right advocates are if you, as a brand, genuinely care about an issue or want to work with people to champion the cause online. So the the identification of those influences is not just finding someone who's you know, got the typical metrics of you know reach and engagement that you look at for a B2C campaign, but you want to really understand the network around that topic and who is getting engagement from other people that we know are genuine advocates for that issue. Uh, so yeah. I'm interested to see how... You know, that, that, that awareness of that very different type of persona comes through this year. Yeah, and I think particularly if you're if you're sort of looking to open a dialogue on something or you or you know, you you are open to, to sort of hearing from leading advocates on this, you're much better off trying to trying to get a conversation going in that concentrated community where people talk and think about this a lot. You know, if you want to hear from experts, you want to hear from people who know how to do it, mm. I think, you know, that that's also a sort of transition people need to make rather than thinking of influencers solely as something to sort of get a message out. They they can do that. They can do that very powerfully. But it's also thinking, what am I going to get back in return in terms of expertise um, from from sort of people like that? So I think there's a there's a real opportunity to sort of think about think about that more deeply. Even today, actually, I was, um, you know, something that I found quite heartening was um, speaking to someone who said, you know, that they want to ramp up uh, talking about sustainability this year. But actually, you know, the, the reason they, they haven't really gotten there yet is because they've not really felt they're in a good enough position to say anything about it yet. And I think that's, you know, as you, as you kind of alluded to there, I think that's the right attitude to something like this is to wait till you've got something genuine to say that you're, you're going to be able to commit to. Um, I don't think people expect the world from brands. They, they expect you to be trying. And, you know, once you've made an effort and you've done something about it, then, then you can kind of engage on these on these causes and, and, yeah. and try and get involved in the discussion. And I think brands really need to rethink how they go about these kind of CSR type projects because typically what happens is there'll be maybe some sponsorship thing or there'll be some event and it'll all be done at a brand level. Um, but actually this whole way of doing sort of CSR and, and advocacy at a brand level is best done really through employees, which links back to the whole employee activism point 
we were just talking about. So what brands I think should be doing instead is to say, uh, let's say there's a brand that really decides, yes, we need to do something about climate change, not just a token gesture, an occasional post about it, but we're going to you know, change what we do as a business. We're going to invest in it. We're going to, I don't know, support some activities. The best thing to do, rather than trying to make it happen at a brand level, is probably to find their own staff who passionately care about that issue and then let those staff help with sometimes the identification part of it to say, right, well, you know, we've got dozens of our own staff who care about climate change. Let's ask them who the people they think are the advocates out in externally on this issue are to so find it from them. Um, and then let the engagement happen through the staff who care about it. So it's, you know, it's two groups of people who genuinely care about an issue. And the brand can then be, well, well what can we do to help um, and to listen to their employees? So I think that that can turn around the employee activism to being something that can lead to you know, genuine impact for you know, wider good, as well as also you know, being good for brands that they are known to actually care and do things um, about these issues in a long-term um, structured way. So the role of the marketer is more about then coordinating these activities rather than trying to say, well, what content are we going to do? What, what brand level stuff are we going to do? It might be, how can we find our staff members who are best to connect with these external influences? Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, and I, let's hope we see more of that this year. I think we are starting to see more of that from people kind of thinking a little bit more deeply about it. But um, yeah, there's definitely definitely a lot of improvements we made. So uh, now for something completely different in a in a segment. Yeah, I might have to. We might have to baptize things that really really confuse your grandparents. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is Byte, which has launched this week. Um, they are essentially a, a kind of re, reheating of, of the concept of Vine. But the thing, thing they said, they said they've basically fixed the main issue that there was before, which was that Vine creators could be very successful, but really, really struggle to sort of monetize. So I think this is an interesting question. You know, can you create a platform that sort of explicitly with the aim of, of monetizing? Is that the right way of going about it? Or do you, as the conventional wisdom suggests, have to sort of build an audience then people become influential on it. Then they figure out how to how to kind of monetize that. Um, I guess you know we're further down further down the line. We know lots more about how uh, monetization and influencer culture will tend to just naturally spring up on any social network. You know we've seen it across YouTube, Twitter, um, you know TikTok, even even platforms that have tried to, to sort of talk about being topic based or, or sort of having a good algorithm. People, I think, ultimately are always drawn to sort of individual figures that, that they find appealing or interesting or funny or informative mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So I don't know, what what are you what are your kind of feelings about it? Do you think do you think it's doomed to fail? Do you think actually maybe they're doing the right thing and, and starting by thinking about, you know, how are you gonna pay for the whole show? How are you gonna reward creators? Yeah, well, obviously the big challenge with Byte is TikTok already being well established and effectively have taken on the kind of air to Vine mantle. That's always what people call it, isn't it? Yeah. When, if you're trying to explain to someone what is TikTok, so maybe too a little, like too late. A um, couple of questions though for TikTok. One is that they are Chinese owned, so there may at uh, some point be some kind of restrictions on on them potentially. Or just it really depends. Um, Privacy fears, etc. Yeah, cetera, so that, you know, that stops people. Yeah, there, there could be something like that that could that could come to, to bite them. <laughs> sorry, oh, <laughs> right, I had, <coughs> oh, sorry, I had to admit an um, audible groan at that. Sorry about that. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so we see what happens with them, but then it could be that, that, that then there's an opportunity. The other thing is that TikTok is great at, you know, you know, it's, lo- 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 it's not, not just kids goofing about, but there is a fair bit of that. And so it could be that Byte has a space to, uh, to focus on more quality content. Um, and if they are going straight at, quote unquote, professional content creators, they may be able to start with a bang. Um, and you know, position themselves as being a, a way to get you know good quality content, and, and that that remunerates the creators well. Uh, TikTok kind of seems still quite hit and miss. You know, someone can very quickly become an influence overnight if they just happen to hit the algorithm at the right time, and their content comes up on the, on the daily you know uh, feed. Um, whereas if Byte can do it in a more systematic way that allows brands to get involved, who knows? Mm. There is it's not doomed to fail. I think they, they could succeed. Yeah, and I think, you know, a challenge that a lot of platforms maybe have is, you know, people get famous on your specific platform and then the influencers kind of try and go somewhere else to yeah. monetize it. And actually are probably in the, in, in the round, they're probably wise to try and sort of not just be on one platform. You don't want to just rely on, you know, one platform that might deep start deprioritizing your feed, or you might start losing followers on that platform because someone else comes along. Or indeed, as bitter experience has shown people, uh, the platform might be shut down. So you know, as I, th- I think, you know, it's, it's probably going to be dangerous to, um, yeah, to, to overcommit to it. But I do wonder. Yeah, maybe you're right. There's a probably a generation of people who came up through Vine who maybe moved over to to other platforms in order to. Um, well, to keep going, um, but also probably at the time just to sort of diversify their their audience. And now they might sort of nostalgia or some feeling of sentimentality or the promise of actual solid monetization this time yeah. might bring them back and, and kind of finally finally crack it. So definitely want to to keep an eye on, see what their monthly active users look like in you know in six months or twelve months, and um, see how they're going. Yep, yeah. one to watch. Cool. I think that's it for this uh, episode. And uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the news and find, hopefully there'll be some interesting stuff happening between now and the next one so we can have something to talk about. Yes, <laughs> and look out. We'll, uh, we'll pop all this out with, with the links to all the stories afterwards. So we'll see you again in a month. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>